In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by David Matthews and his band. Welcome into episode 34 of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase. I'm Nick. All right. Do you guys like Dave Matthews? I do. I almost did a Dave Matthews imitation, but I got scared at the last second. Do you know that he has a song called 34? I didn't. Yes, he does. You should look it up. You a big fan of that song, or were you just searching 34 on? Yeah. I am a probably not a big fan of... Dave Matthews, but he's all right. Yeah, like he's him. cool. He's I'm not glad. a he's not a creed or anything. Who? Ouch! What? I'm glad you didn't say brought so, Chase, to you this week by Bo Jackson. That would have been good too. A famous number thirty four. Why do people hate Creed so much? I I like Creed, and and I get hated on for that all the time. It's okay, Dave. We love you anyway. Yeah. So in this show, David McConnell defends Creed and Joel Osteen. Drawing the ire of the entire civilized world. So, of did, all the internet. I'm still waiting for the answer. I understand that you, you're a Dave Matthews fan. Yes. Did you know that song was a song before you Googled 34 for show? How do you know that I Googled 34? Like I said. All right. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at My Gospel Friends. There. Would it surprise you know I have all of Dave Matthews' albums? It would surprise me to know that. Is that it true? It actually wouldn't surprise me to know that. You, you, you tend to be a trend follower, so I have no trouble. Wow. Uh, really? Did he just do that? I did, he did. And it was fun. All right. I'd uh, like to join the trend of throwing something at your head. <laughs> Zing. Because that's, that's, that's a pretty Well, look, heavy trend. Caseball tried to bean him with a cookie this morning at church. So That's true. I was assaulted with a cookie today at church. You were almost assaulted with a cookie. It, it was missed close. you by like an inch and a half. Yes. And also throw, our, throwing, our, throwing things at you during the sermon again? I thought, it wasn't the I sermon. I thought we had squashed that out. It was the pre-sermon. And also some vandal changed our church sign. So <laughs> this was a uh, interesting <laughs> week at the Hall of Dogma All right, church. so if you're in the Hall of Dogma, uh, if you're in the Hall of Dogma on Facebook, which Nick will um, – Tell you about. You know, he hasn't even gotten to that part yet. yet. But if you're out on the, if you're, why don't you the, go ahead and tell us where to get to the Hall of Dogma? Because I don't know. It's a favorite. Oh my uh, gosh! Get my computer. Go to my favorites. <laughs> select Hall of Dogma, and and you'll be there. If in, you real, in real life, David is an IT manager. If uh, <laughs> Nick, if you can't, just like Jen from the IT crowd. Oh, by the way, if you Google Hall of Dogma, the we do not of come the up. Internet know who I am. All right, so if you go to Hall of Dogma, there is a um, a I thread. There's a thread on signs, church signs, and at the bottom of um, that thread, somewhere in there, someone took a picture of our sign this week that was changed um, without our knowledge. Yep. And it was pretty funny. It was funny. When we rolled up at the church and saw the uh, sign, it it was pretty hilarious. Well, you might as well tell them what was said. No, I think it'd be funny if they just go look it up. Okay. Nick, tell them how to get there. If you go to facebook.com slash groups slash hall of dogma, it's real difficult, I know. Um, I did it at least once because I had to do it to favorite it. You did, um, which I think you clicked the link in the show notes. Um, very managerial of you. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. Um, it is a closed group. Uh, that's more for just a little bit of privacy for the members, um, but we haven't turned anyone uh, down yet. Um, and so if you want to join, please feel free. And um, 
love to have people participate in the discussions there. You can also reach us if you want to leave a voicemail of some type. Uh, we got a Google Voice set up for domestic callers, 205-575-9735. If you're an international listener or liver, um, that's an old joke, not a joke. See um, previous episodes. See previous episodes. Um, you can hit us up on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. SpeakPipe, P-I-P-E. Yeah. And all these are going to be in the show notes on uh, thegospelfriends.com after the show. Absolutely. I want to give a shout-out to new listeners this week from Ghana, which is in Africa, and Guyana, which is in South America, and the Syrian or Arabic Republic, which I assume is referring to Syria, but that's what the stats say. Also, uh, we've picked up more than one listener from the Isle of Man and a bunch of listeners from the Philippines. So I just want to invite especially our international listeners who are so fascinating to join us in the Hall of Dogma and tell us about your your country, your currency, and all kinds of interesting things. So you can do that at facebook.com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma. As Nick said, we've never turned anybody down. And believe it or not, we've never kicked anybody out. Guyana, and it's still a pretty nice place. Guyana is. You that? keep threatening, and David's not being that bad. Okay, you keep threatening. <laughs> well, look if um, if if David wasn't in there, neither two of you would know what's going on. So, uh, dude, I typed like three novels this week in the Hall of Dogma. You did. You did. You did. I, I saw. I admit, Guyana is that where uh, Jim Jones had his his little cult. Back in the 70s? No. I, well, actually, you know what? That might be. Have you ever watched the documentary I on that? I think you're right. It was Guyana. Have you ever watched the documentary on that and, and listened to the actual audio recording of the end? Where, Dude. Where they're getting the people to drink the Kool-Aid? This might be an edit point. Right. Because, listen, if you're listening to the show, I, I would not recommend going out and looking for that. I have listened to it. It will mess you up. Listen, okay, look. You 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 always go into protective mode on those kinds of things. I mean, you shouldn't if you don't have a a strong constitution about yourself. But if you do, it's it's. I mean, look, it's evil in action. But you've got to know what you're listening to, well, man. I guess so. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. Oh my gosh! That whole that whole. I, I'm fairly fascinated with. Cults in terms of just you know how they come together and leading them, et cetera. No, not leading them. Uh, but that one, that one, that you know, it's that one's always. Um, I've had a great deal of interest in Jones all that happened with that guy. Gut and what happened there, um, Jim Jones. Amazing. Oh my gosh, what a fool! So, by the way, I can't find the. There's so many posts in the Hall of Dogma this week. I can't actually find the thread who started it that the church signs. I think Kevin Small uh, started it, but uh, I will go ahead and just read our church sign. So we pulled up this week, and it said, um, "Got got pink carpet?" Question mark. We do. Yeah, yeah. So that was what someone had changed our sign to. And we do have – it's sad, but it's pinkish. Uh, we, it is pinkish carpet at the Hall of Dogma yeah. Church. So uh, I also learned from the Hall of Dogma this week, and I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Chris Stoddard was got uh, his McRib, first McRib I of the season. That. Did you Congratulations, say they, Chris. Did you say they have onion rings at McDonald's in uh, the UK? Do they not have them here? Dude, do you not go to McDonald's? Not very much. I don't, no, they I'm do not, not have onion rings. They so. used to. I've never known McDonald's here to have onion rings. Oh yeah, no. way back in the day. Sure, way back in the day when when the sixties when yeah, you yeah they up? were called McRings. 
Are you making that up? Yes. I okay. I don't. Okay. I was going to say I don't ever remember. Um, I think they. Uh, oh, they apparently had something called onion nuggets. Uh, that sounds nasty. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't um, ever recall having that at McDonald's. I do recall that uh, it's time, gentlemen, for what were you thinking? Global edition to start off this week's episode. Uh, this would be where I read wondrous topics from around the globe while the two of you type on your laptops, not paying any attention to me, until I stare at you uncomfortably and you realize that you're actually supposed to be saying something. No, I'm actually back. Um, we're going to have HallofDogma.com now. What? Oh, you just registered? Yeah, I did. Oh, did you? nice. Yeah. Did you do that because I said when I Googled Hall of Dogma, nothing came up? No, I just – it was kind of a facepalm moment, like why haven't I done that Can forever we, ago? What are we going to do with it? It's going to go to the Hall of Dogma. On Facebook? Yeah. Oh, so you're just going to redirect straight to Oh, I didn't state. know you could do that. <laughs> What'd you say? Well, look, That's fantastic. I've set it up. I'm, I'm wondering if Facebook's going to push back on it, but fingers crossed. Hey, hey. Middle yeah. of the uh, week, you'll be good to HallDogma.com. See if you have, do they have three good looking ministers.com? I don't want to lie to the people. You are on the show. <laughs> Zing, pow. Headline oh. number one Wait from. Are we going to do uh, what were you thinking? You might want to do that, David. <laughs> Listen. When I go into go that, Pats. when I go in at the halftime, oh yeah, oh, yeah. when I go into that Yankee, the. when I go into that that voice, I just married one of yep. exuberance, Great. yeah, beautiful one, and, and I'm and I'm you know apparently starting the segment for you to interrupt me for no purpose is it's a downer. No, no, it wasn't for no purpose. It was to aggravate you. <laughs> no, we're to back. Pretend. We're ready. We're ready, Chase. I think you're supposed to tell us what time it is. Oh yeah, it's time to. Oh wait, no, we're not playing a game <laughs> this week. Goobers, we're we're doing this what were so you thinking? Fun. Global edition, and we're starting in the Philippines. Are you ready? Are you going to do the one that I said? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead, buddy. Filipino traffic police to wear diapers during Pope's visit. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're lying. No. And look how happy they are to have the diapers in the video. That's so just unbelievable. When Pope Francis Context. visits the Philippines next week, traffic enforcers won't let the capital's streets get gridlocked if they have to answer the call of nature. About 2,000 traffic enforcers who will be on duty during the papal visit will be required to wear adult diapers, said Metro- Metropolitan Manila Development Authority. No. Um Yes, it's no. uh, the prospect of wearing the diapers while on duty has been well received by his men. I'm just going to say these were guys who wanted to keep their job and would say anything that um, under pain of I, torture. I love those surveys. It's your job. How happy are you with your job? Yeah. How so, would you improve? You know, it's like, yes, sir, you're doing great. Like the Black Nazarene procession attracts hundreds of thousands of barefoot, mostly male, Filipino Roman Catholics who parade a centuries-old black statue of Jesus Christ, which devotees, devotees believe possess mystical powers that could cure ailments and answer wishes of good health and fortune. So we just drove off into some mysticism there. Cool. That's uh, not even <laughs> mysticism. Um, wow. And so with these uh, hundreds of thousands of, of uh, men parading in the streets, uh, the uh, city says there won't be enough portable toilets for those uh, people um, and, and those who get, are gathering at the same time to see the Pope uh, when he holds an open-air mass. And so the uh, police officers need to wear the diapers so they don't have to um, relieve themselves. 
at the same time, since there's not enough toilets for all the people who are going to be there, uh, the city is also encouraging the people who are coming to see the Pope to also wear diapers. Oh, this could be it's the terrible. This could be a um, a uh, very foul papal visit. Oh yeah, <laughs> to the it's Philippines. Just, it's just, I mean, I can't imagine having to to do that. Do you in, think they'll rename his car the uh, Poop Mobile? Wow, you're gonna hear from the, oh my goodness. all our our Roman Catholic friends this week. Oh. There. Their brother David McConnell. Did the Catholic said that? Do they actually call that the Pope Mobile, or is that just what other people have nicknamed it? I I I think some Catholics call it the Pope Mobile. Do we have a lot of Catholics who listen to the show? We do have a few. I'm sorry. Uh, so would wait, you wait, guys? You're sorry that Catholics listen. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm very wow. happy Thanks to have the bottom. Catholic contingent. I'm very sorry for my for my joke, but. Um, if, Does the Pope come with the the statue? I mean, that sounds a little sketchy. Um, not, no, I don't think the, no, no, no. The Pope's not bringing the statue. The 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 statue is brought by the um, this um, nearly twenty four hour procession of the Black Nazarene, which um, happens um, at the same time as the papal visit. Okay, yeah. yeah. The Pope's not the Pope's not calling for the statue of Jesus. Oh, hopefully not. With mystical powers. Maybe the, the Pope would point people to Jesus instead. That would be better. Hey, would you um you know, are there instances um you can think of where you would, you know, need to wear you'd wear the diaper for good calls? Gosh, David, it would have to be a fabulous cause. And I can't even think of one. I think I would just I think I would just you know, like fall down in a heap and go into a coma from needing to go to the restroom and not before I'd wear the diaper. Well, then you'd probably do it while you were in a coma <laughs> and you'd wake up and, you know, it'd just be all It'd be bad. all the same thing. Yeah. I mean, if you – do you think they it's like both number one and number two? Hey, okay. hey, all right. whoa. All right, all right. moving we're on. We're adults here. Um, let's see. We're going to move to England uh, over in the U.K., which was just talking about from uh, – Good old McDonald's over there. Man pays $460 for surgery to save the life of his constipated pet fish. Okay. Were you having some issues in the week whenever these articles just... Nope. Oh, because of the bathroom? Yeah. Nah, it just kind of... No, I was fine. If you're constipated, you wouldn't need the diapers. But the fish, the fish would not have needed the diaper. What's the problem? A devoted pet owner in England recently spent nearly five hundred dollars on a complicated surgery to save the life of his favorite goldfish. A goldfish? Yes. So we're not talking about an exotic three thousand dollar fish or something. We're talking about a goldfish. The un the unnamed man rushed his fish to his local veterinarian center. Um, in Norfolk, where he noticed that it was struggling to eliminate waste. <laughs> well, I would say that I would be like the I'm title. Struggling to eliminate waste, right? <laughs> okay, now. that would, would be the title for the podcast. But I, I don't. How not. would you know if your goldfish was struggling? I mean, did he have I mean, like look, a, some faces are universal? I guess. Did he have <laughs> like a, a weird look on his face? <laughs> I'm picturing the guy talking to his fish through the through the bowl. What's wrong, buddy? Goldie? Goldie <laughs> kept trying to go to the rock where he does his business and coming out having nothing. And so, you know. Was he crying? Probably. Like, like maybe his cheeks were That is not a pleasant up. feeling. Oh. Hey, hey, pro tip here. This will save you aquarium mists hundreds of dollars. <laughs> the, 
Oh, I know. Yeah. You yeah. guys have a strange idea, cheeks. by the way, about because because the mouth doesn't really enter into the whole equation there. <laughs> anyway, this is a real pro tip. This will save you hundreds of dollars if your pet fish is constipated. Feed them peas. P e a s. Peas. Yes. Peas. To the fish. That's right. That will help with constipation. And I'm not even kidding. Twenty-nine-year-old vet Faye Befale was given the task of performing the 50-minute procedure, which involved carefully administering anesthetic and using tiny instruments to carefully remove lumps from the fish's backside. Well, isn't that great? The uh, fish Whoa, made a full... Wait a minute. Lumps from the... That's a bad case. It's a bad case. I wonder if he had not been eating enough fiber. D- apparently not. All right. I'm going to let you guys... So we're going to do one more. I'm going to let you guys actually pick uh, which one we... So here's my three headlines that I have left, and you guys are going to tell me which one we're going to expound on. Okay. All right. From uh, China. At uh, Excuse me. A... Uh, yeah, I believe it's in China. At this Chinese restaurant, good-looking people eat for free. Mm. Uh, from India, Indian man finally gets fired after skipping work for 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from uh, – I actually don't know where this is. We'll have to peruse a little uh, deeper if we pick this one. Professional dog food taster is actually a real job. What are you guys interested in hearing a little bit more about? Dog food. Dog food? What do you think, Nick? Why not? Are y'all just saying that? Yes. You're really not interested in any of them? No, that's pretty interesting. It's not a lack of interest, right, Pet owners, Pet owners uh, sneaking a nibble or two out of their pet's bowls out of curiosity is completely Ugh. understandable. No, it's not. Have you no. ever done that? Stop no. doing that. No. Have you ever done that, Nick? No. I have had a nibble of a uh, like a milk bone before. Well, that- so you have what? eaten dog what? food before? Well, I mean, a milk bone—that's different. No, the, uh, no, the very cur- untasty. Really, you didn't like yeah, it? Well, you, too. you, my friend, Mike could get a job here. Eating dog food for a living may be pretty hard to digest, but professional—that's <laughs> a nice line there. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is about digestion as well. Wow! <laughs> Look, it was a theme. There you go. This is why I believe in Calvinism and things being preordained. So yeah, oh I'd pick it. But professional dog food taster <laughs> is a real job and apparently pays quite well. Listen to this. An entry-level position in the quality department would typically pay $30,000 a year, while an, ex- well, that's not quite well. while an experienced professional can draw up to $75,000 okay. annually now for tasting talking. dog food. What does the job entail? I know entail? it would be a pay cut for you, but is that something you would consider in your life? I would do it years? on the side. <laughs> How much dog food do you have to eat in a year for $75,000? Tasters regularly open sample tins of freshly made batches of dog or cat food and proceed to smell it and eat it. Professional tasters are trained to identify flavors that dogs tend to enjoy or reject. <laughs> okay, don't dogs sniff each other's... <laughs> Goldfish problem areas. There's just not. A, there's just not a censor on your mouth tonight, is there? Well, I'm buddy? just saying. I'm going to go ahead and say that was okay, censored. If you are trained to nice. identify flavors that dogs enjoy, I mean, you're you're having to get into some nasty stuff. Yes, that's true. What country is this? It doesn't actually say. Um, I think it's just uh, maybe anywhere. Awesome. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? It's just maybe anywhere. It doesn't say. Well, no matter where you're listening to this show, people, there is a place where you can earn seventy five thousand dollars a year it, eating dog food. It doesn't say the uh, the location, despite the high pressure deadlines and the occasional surprises. High um, pressure deadlines. Employees say they pretty what? much enjoy their job and find it rewarding because it helps pets becomes healthier and happier. That's oh, ridiculous. And 
Best part, they get to work with a key member of their tasting team, Lily the Border Terrier. So this is a very specific company that's not listed here. Uh, this is so awkward. Oh, I okay. think it's, it's Lily's Kitchen. So it's Lily's dog food. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. Well, you guys will never hear about the Chinese restaurant that gives free food to pretty people. And, Chase, you would be, um, you would be happy to know that having a uh, protruding forehead is considered uh, very attractive, and so you'd be in good shape. You could eat free all the time. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> what have I done to you, by the way? I just, I'm sorry. I'll pick on, I'll pick on Nick more, but. Now you've picked on me all day today, but, but Nick, Nick if, I'm big, if in your older a, age you're getting a knife a, on me today. I mean, Nick's Nick's nickname is nuclear. Well, that's true. That is so true. you never know what'll set him off. I got. You. Hey, when I turn to you like this yeah. and talk, and Nick's to my back, he can't hear me, can he? No, Good. not a word. You're hey, safe. Hey, Nick, welcome back. Are you hey, going? Man, are you going to um? Want to move into uh, that was if the they like protruding foreheads? Do they like it whenever you can see more of the top of one's head through the lighter? Uh, hair, Ooh. like thinning hair. Shots yeah. fired. Is that for you? Are you saying for me? I, I'm just, I'm just wow. wondering. Seriously, I, I have noticed, and, and Nick's, Nick's, uh, Nick's taking a punch at a, a at a uh, confidential conversation we have. But I've been noticing seeing more of the top of my scalp recently, and it's. Uh, I, I realized you, <laughs> you chaser, moppy over there, yeah, <laughs> wearing a muppet, but. <laughs> But it's concerning. T- <laughs> I, think, I think number one, you meant toupee, and number two, I do not wear a toupee. I just don't brush my hair a lot. Funny story, real Title. quick. Funny, hey, funny hey, story, real ahead. quick. No, Go over to Nick. No. Okay, you, do you want to tell this story, or do you want to keep quit, your thumb? Quit holding hands, Nick. Do you know this story? Oh my I gosh! Not. When Chase chases. Is just about to enter into his seventh anniversary of being at the Hall of Dogma Church. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. When Chase first got to the Hall of Dogma Church, um, we had the uh, senior adult leader was on our leadership team. And one day during um, our leadership meeting, the senior adult leader confided in all of us that the um, seniors had come to him and asked if Chase wore a toupee. (laughs) And if he could find out, because they weren't sure his hair was real. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That's such a good, encouraging story. I do not, listeners, wear a toupee. Wear a toupee. I just don't brush my hair a lot. And when I do, it doesn't matter. It gets wild. I don't know why that looks like a toupee, though. But uh, Your hair's fine. You guys are welcome to check my hair for toupees. Sorry. And if you're listening to the show and you wear a toupee, you know what? It's fine. I apologize for my friend David somehow implying that that makes you a a bad person. Look, I'm so when it, when it, I'm sure you still love Jesus. It's all good. A little bit more, Chase. Can you give him some advice? Look, I I may, look, seriously, I may be there soon because I've had, I'm, I've had people for years tell me right here on the very background that they could see some scalp, but now it's, it's heading toward the front. So, Hmm. um, it, it may, you know, it may be, I don't know what to do. The gospel friends are no longer in the spring of their their days, are they? I, I'm 36. I'm that's I'm I'm in prime, right? If you say so. Nick, why don't we do a little? Uh, uh, I don't know, big deal, little deal. You think? Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, we've got got two um, this week, and I will uh, I'll actually go with the. What? So, by the way, I, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I just realized we no, never did, did what was on tap for today. No, we so, didn't. I realized so that just, earlier. So just for um, 
make sure no one turns us off thinking this is all we're going to do. So we've got the uh, we just did what were you thinking? Yep. We got big deal, little deal coming up, and then uh, to end the show today, we're going to do uh, hall monitor, and we're being joined this week by guest host Rob Johnson from Michigan, the Defender, and we're going to be talking about. Um, the use of the terms false teachers and heretics, when to use those terms, when to not use those terms, what exactly is a false teacher, what exactly is heresy. Whether or not false teachers stalk uh, people's Facebook pages or wives' Facebook pages, that sort of thing. See episode 33. Yeah. They do not. Well, they might, but you're not a false teacher just because you do that. You might be. So anyway, that's what's on tap for today. Nick, sorry, big deal, little deal. Oh, what? Oh, you're back. I'm yeah. sorry. And we're back. Ramble on. <laughs> Nick has this built-in sensor that when I start talking, he stops listening. I've seen that. No, see, what had, see what had happened was, um, honest to goodness, what had happened is that I was um, – I remembered one of the articles I was going to do for Big Deal or Little Deal, and um, – I have it where I texted you guys on my phone, but then I forgot to put it in the show notes, and now I can't find the specific reference. And so I can give you a little bit of background on it, but I can't give you the details, and I'm not proud of that. So, okay. um, just make it up. We'll go with the we'll go with the one that's heavier, and then when you guys start talking about it and kind of run with it for a minute, I'll try to pull up the article, and then I'll have it. And we'll finish on a little bit lighter note. That work? Good plan. Sounds good. All right. So the first one is um, the case of the boy who went to heaven. Um, and there's a couple of different articles about this this week, but effectively the boy who uh, went to heaven as he's gotten older and started reading the Bible and realized uh, that wasn't possible, he has said, yeah, um, not necessarily sure what happened, but I didn't go to heaven. And shame on you, Lifeway, for putting out a, big, a book that was basically biblically inaccurate. Um, throw it to either one of you, big deal or little deal. Well, I'm going to say it's um, if everything is as reported, it, it's it's a pretty big deal. There's been some there's been some smoke around the story. For instance, that uh, this particular story was outed uh, months ago, and that maybe the Lifeway exec said on it, or maybe some other people uh, maybe played the story at a certain timing for for their own benefit. I don't know all that. I do know that I. Uh, I look at any of these sort of go to heaven and come back and write about it stories with a a bit of a, a maybe a bit more than a, a bit, but a, quite a skeptical eye. Uh, I am not at all surprised that this one would turn out to be false. Uh, I wonder about the others, not necessarily that they're lies, but maybe that they're extended dreams or something like that. Um, I think there is a reason why the Bible doesn't tell us an awful lot about heaven. Um, and I think there's a reason why Paul, who was a man that was caught up to the third heaven, wrote very little about that, part of which being humility. And um, pulp novels right now that are making millions hand over fist talking about such things strike me as a little silly. And I, for one, am glad to see this particular one discredited and pulled from store shelves. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I don't know. I'll probably go a little deal, maybe based on just, uh, you know, not sure that I care uh, <laughs> that much. I mean, well, here's the thing. These are, by the way, I, I is, this is for real, right? This is for real? As far as I know. Because the kid's name is Alex Malarkey. Malarkey. That is for real. Okay, that's... 
That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. And <laughs> and ironic. And when I first read it, I thought maybe um, that was part of the maybe joke. Maybe the or onion something. or something. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm reading it off of um, uh, NPR. Dot org is the first one that came up. So it's Alex Malarkey. Uh, five years after it hit the bestseller list, a book that purported to be a six-year-old boy's visiting of angels and heaven after being injured in a bad car crash is being pulled from shelves. The young man at the center of the boy who came back from heaven, which is the name of the book, Alex Malarkey said this week that the story was all made up. The book's publisher, Tyndall House, has promoted it as a supernatural encounter that will give you new insights on heavens, on heavens, on heaven, angels, and Hearing the voice of God, by Thursday, Tyndall House confirmed to NPR that it was taking the book and all ancillary products out of print after Alex Malarkey wrote an open letter to Lifeway and others who sell the books, um, essentially saying, look, I didn't, I didn't die, I didn't go to heaven, and um, I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. Um, yeah, I, I'm saying little deal probably from the standpoint of I just – I don't put – stock in the books i mean there's so many of them out there uh, the, the you know the boy who came back from heaven um heaven is for real, is for real the uh 90 minutes in heaven i mean there, there's all types of of these books out there and um you know i just think uh, you know we know one guy so we john was given revelations um we know one guy in the new testament who was called to heaven um you know Paul, yep. but but he was essentially told, you know, don't don't write anything down, don't tell anybody yep. what you saw, and so, you know, there's 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 no biblical um, principle there that would lead us to think that these kinds of things happen. No one in the Bible, um, such as that, that that goes up to heaven and then comes back in terms of, um, um, you know, that we're told, um, because even guys who were resurrected from the dead, you know. People in Jesus's day, you know, it's not mentioning that they were in heaven and and came back. So, you know, it's just uh, and, and but if someone reads, let me ask you this, Chase. When I say little deal, if someone reads the books, help me seriously. What do you think the danger there is? Uh, you know, I think they're probably getting some false theology. Some uh, like, for instance, uh, whatever the book is that was. Uh, uh, by the Burpo kid that was made into a movie, you know, that talks about going to heaven, talks about knowing Jesus and all this kind of stuff, supposedly a Christian movie, but the gospel wasn't in it. And so the danger of having a Christian movie with the gospel not in it is uh, feel-goodism and moralism without salvation through Christ alone. So I guess that would be a danger. Well, okay, and I don't know what the books teach. I and and I ask the questions seriously because sure I'm tolerant here lately. I'm not being tolerant. I just if someone walks up to me, if someone walked up to me and they said, um, "I'm reading The Shack as a way to help me understand more about God," I would slightly vomit on their shoes. I would. I would. I would. And then lovingly almost, pray for them. I I think I would be pretty strong to say I. You know, if I had a relationship with this person, I don't think that's a great book for you to be reading. That that is not going to help you know more about God in a true sense. Somebody walked up to me and said, "Oh, I'm reading Ninety Minutes in Heaven, and it's you know it's fantastic." You know, I I don't know that I would be inclined to say you didn't. You know, that's not true. You need to throw it down. I mean, I, I don't well, know. I, I don't know that, that I see that. I haven't read it. I don't know what's in it that I would say. The, Let's buy John Piper. Danger. 
No, it's by uh, another Piper, but not John. Oh, Don I was just Piper, I think it Isn't is by it? Don Piper. So, yes, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. I just, you know, glad glad that he's coming out. And based on if it's he's coming out to say this wasn't real because he is now coming to know the gospel and read the Bible and 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 those kinds of things. If that's the the real reason, praise God for that. I think that's great. Um, but. You know, on my danger scale of books, that one probably rates pretty low, and I may be wrong because I've never read them. So, so something you haven't read is probably not dangerous. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a book about a little kid who says, I died and went to heaven and met an angel, and I came back. I don't know what the danger there is. Maybe there is danger, but I'm just saying... There's all types of stories out there about angel encounters that people say they had. You know, if there's if there's you, a danger to it, I guess that would be. Have you ever read any of those books? You're desensitizing yourself to the supernatural, and that, or you're taking it lightly. And I, I don't know. I don't know. You it's ever tough. read any of those books, angel encounter books? I don't think so. Oh, you never read them? Was, uh, they were big. I can't think of any. They were big when I was growing up some of the churches and stuff, just, just stories of people of, of encounters they thought they had with angels. And I've I, read a lot of the chicken soup for the, uh, not, not in a good way. I don't like the chicken soup for the soul books, but so I've read say, some of the, <laughs> the angel encounter stuff in chicken soup for the soul books. It just kind of turned my stomach. Do you think bit. people can have angelic encounters? I do. Today? And Why I think the too? Bible teaches that. And I, I don't think you should deny it, but you know, some of them are, seem to be a little sketchy. Uh, look, I really was just messing with you. Okay, it's fine. I'm, you just you you pushing my button, saying I'm being tolerant. Yeah, I don't want to be tolerant. No, no, heaven, no. Heaven forbid. heaven forbid. Captain intolerant. I'm sorry. That's verbiage. Whatever your name is. All right, Nate. We're, I'm okay with changing. We're back thing. to you. No, it's okay. I, I enjoy the banter. That's okay, fine. Watching ahead. mom and dad fight. Um, I'm hey. dad. Ah. I called it. You called it before me. I, I think it's cool if the, if the story is true that the, the the boy is pushing back on Lifeway. Um, I think that is. Um, I think that's pretty neat. Um, big deal or little deal? I'm going meh. Um, I like that the kid's pushing back. I, I like that he's taking a stand for um, biblical accuracy. Um, if that part of it is is as reported, and I like uh, that Lifeway's taking it off the shelf, and some people might say, "Well, it took them too daggum long." Well, just be happy they did it. Well, How about that, that? But I guess that's. <laughs> did they sound like that? Yes, and I guess that's what it's it's a theme throughout the show today. But you know, you talk about heresy, you talk about false teachers, you talk about these these different things, and um, you know, it just seems like heresy or false teaching is anything I don't agree with um, lately. And so we should talk about that. That would be awesome. Um, It's almost like I said it was a consistent theme with the show today. Oh, I was, I was texting. I didn't hear that. I know. I'm sorry. I knew what you were doing. It's okay. We know how you feel, David. Um, It's okay. But no, I think, I think it's cool that the the young man's pushing back. Um, I do probably sometimes wish there was a little bit more discretion on the, on the part of publishers. Um, But the the fact is these, these companies are out to make a buck. And um, I think we as believers um, should probably think um, about things more critically, not in terms of what's wrong with you guys, but um, why are these books being cranked out so consistently? On a rapid pace, is it because there's something to say, or is it because there's money to be made? And just just think about that and use some some 
discretion, discernment, wisdom. Yes, so. amen. I'm going to write a book about an angel that dies and goes to heaven and meets with uh, a person cooking inside of a, a shack sort of thing and talks with them about big questions. I think that one may have been done. No, no, no. Not like that. Not like I'm going to write it. It's going to be awesome. Call it The Shed. The Shed. That's going to be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. The Shed. Good time. All right, we, we, we are... Um, we got we got time for one more, Nick, and then we're going to bring on the uh, hall monitor segment. We we'll probably have to hurry with this one. Yeah, this one probably won't won't take too long. Um, uh, the article I actually was the title is "Church Pastor Defends Decision to Fire Unwed um, Mother." There is a there is a daycare worker. Um, the daycare was attached to a, a church, mm. and um, there is a, a code of conduct that was not necessarily released as part of the story um, that employees uh, have to have to sign and um apparently the alleged is that she was in violation of that um presuming eitherly either um living um with a man who's not her husband or um having a child out of wedlock or I don't, shacking I, as Emmanuel would say but I, uh there you go um or shedding <laughs> but um the the pastor because it was it's it's one of those difficult things because the because it's a personnel matter the pastor can't comment directly on it um but the young lady and her family um kind of freely commented on it stating you know um we wanted our wedding to be special and things like that and the fiance even going so far as to say if if this was a problem the church shouldn't have hired her um and so i i guess i'll I'll say big deal little deal and you guys say whichever kind of point along the way y'all want to talk about, whether it be the, the church um, having to fire the young lady, whether it being, you know, a young lady in this kind of situation working for a church-sponsored daycare. Um, she was an unwed mother? Shacking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, working they, at a church daycare. Uh, did they know it when they hired her? Uh, seemingly. This is Chase realizing he hasn't been listening. I understand. I'm just clarifying. I'm clarifying. But there was a there was a code of conduct involved uh, okay. that she had to sign. Yeah. Okay. But they it, knew when Is she they, a Christian? I, it hurts because I've grown up in a Christian home and Christian church my whole life. Okay, so she's not. Um, I think we covered that whenever we um, went with the. Gosh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if she's growing up. Uh, that was probably insensitive, but um, growing up in a Christian home and a church doesn't make you a Christian. Absolutely, that's correct. All right, I uh, big deal, little deal. Um, hmm. I'm going to go little deal, little deal if if there was a code of conduct. So let me let me start there. If there is a code of conduct for any organization, whatever it is, um, Chase, your pants are in. Thank you. Uh, if if there's a code of it's conduct, time to change them. If <laughs> <laughs> you have an alarm go off when it's uh, when when it got, if I don't, I'll forget. All right. So if there's a code of conduct, David, David's got some diapers that. You can, just in case you need to meet the Pope. Thank you. If there's a code of conduct involved for any organization and and you sign up for it, um, then you need to stick to it. Yeah, that is just you know. I am not, for example, I'm not a, I'm not in favor of denominations or churches. Um, I, I would not, favor not denom- in favor of, of denominations, denominations or, or churches. churches stop period. Right no, I'm not in favor of denominations or churches requiring people to it's not a good title, drink. By the way. To be a part okay. of that, you know, uh, denomination, a okay. pastor in that denomination. I just don't think it's a good rule because I think it's a man-made rule that you're you're putting on top of scripture. You almost went to a church, a denomination. I almost did, and almost did, and not saying that 
I never would, just saying that I'm not in favor of that. But if I went there and I signed it, I would stick to it. Yeah. You can't go sign it and then say, well, this is dumb. Yes. Okay, so you got to stick to it. So little deal if there was a code of conduct, she signed it. Big deal in that it strikes me as just moralistic in that, that, that a church or a church organization trying to say, you know, we're going to create a moral atmosphere here through rule keeping and rule giving. And I don't think that works. And so I, I don't think it should have been in place to begin with is my thought. So big deal there. But yeah, I think I think it's probably a little deal. I, I tend to agree with your comments there. Um, it, it's you know, it, it's OK for a church or a hiring organization to enforce their agreements. I mean, certainly there's a time for grace, but there's also a time for truth. And if she was in violation of the hiring agreements, um, and it specifies that firing is is uh, acceptable in that situation, well, you know, don't whine about it. Um, yeah, you signed it. You yeah, signed it. At the same time, if the church wants to preserve its purity, uh, you know, that's obviously a good thing. But there are times for the gospel of grace to be uh, freely administered as well, and this might have been one of those times. It was for a daycare, but I just don't see. I know that's a little waffly, and I guess way. that's that's where it. I guess that's where part of the question was for me: is how do you, how do you feel about that? If if you take your children to a church sponsored daycare, do you expect um, maybe more moralistic living now? Whether that's you know I I don't know and so that that's kind of what made me go oh, but, about the article. You know, it's not like the girl would be going in every day and taking care of the kids and like whispering in their ear, "Hey, when you grow uh, up, don't worry about getting married. Just shack up with or shut up with somebody." Yeah, you know, whichever. I don't know, but it's also the example you you have living your life, right? You know, it is. The guys, the, the guys coming to visit at work, is, and they've got two kids, right. and oh, well, look, I yeah. definitely think that. I think sex outside of marriage is is forbidden in scripture, and I think it's. Wrong. I just don't think, you know, it, a church daycare and you're going to have employees, pa- pastoral staff or ministry staff. Yeah, I get it. But what about an outside, an, an outside attached organization, I don't have a problem with it for any member of paid staff as opposed paid to ministry staff, staff. But this is a secondary organization to the church. It's attached to the church. It's a church daycare that they're probably making money off of. This is not pastoral and ministerial staff. With you know, in the church, I mean, you don't have a problem with the rule, you but you're a little concerned about the firing of her. Yeah, in such a way. Yeah. I, okay, yeah. I see application. Things like this, I always worry about the. Um, is that all she was fired for, or is that what you're yeah. saying? You're, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's a good point. It's one of those tough ones. So, all right, guys. Uh, time again this week for the hall monitor segment, and last week uh, we tried something completely new and uh, really enjoyed it and had a lot of good feedback, and that was actually getting members of the Hall of Dogma to to join with us on the podcast to do the Hall Monitor segment. Last week, Jeremiah Martin uh, did a fantastic job, and uh, this week we are joined by Rob Johnson from uh, the great state of Michigan. And now, Rob, is he officially the defender? I know we had that name going around. Was he officially named the defender? I believe that is correct. Is, is that, that correct, is that right, Rob? Rob? Yeah, I think so. I only heard it the one time, so I didn't know if that was official or unofficial. So, well, I, I think the problem was in the one of the weeks that we named you the defender. Um, I beat you in fantasy football by like 150 points, and I didn't think it was an app name. <laughs> and you you probably bragged about it so much that we were so embarrassed at your egregious uh, arrogance that we forgot about the name. 
That happens a lot. That probably here. happens a lot. But we're gonna, I think that's Dealing it. So, Rob, the Defender Johnson. Rob, thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right. So, tell us uh, just a, a little about yourself. Uh, you know, just background. Um, you know, uh, personal and, and what you have going on in your life. Well, um, I've been married for just over a year, um, and then about six months ago, my wife gave birth to our daughter, Emmalyn. Thanks again for the. Yay. Thanks again for the prayers during that. I, Beth and I really appreciated that and meant a lot to us. It was uh, it was a rough couple hours before the delivery, so it was uh, it was a rough go, but everything worked out all right by God's grace. So, um, so apart from my wife and daughter, I teach theology and apologetics at uh, my local church, and also run the blog site apologetics105.com, where I have different uh, articles on Christian doctrine and. Um, defending Christianity against atheism. Yeah, and Apologetics 105 is one of um, it, it, one of our uh, favorite uh, article sites, and uh, you do a great job with the stuff that you post out there. Yeah, Thank there's you. a ton of stuff on there. Hey, real quick, David, you're going to tell us about Rob's wife, and then I'll describe <laughs> the... Uh, uh, the, the, his blog a little bit more. Well, that went well. Uh, so right. uh, yeah, I need to uh, grab that uh, that Facebook. Uh, uh, actually, is is Beth in the Hall of Dogma? She is. I encouraged her to awesome. join about a week ago. Okay, well encouraged. <laughs> so um, bless you, sir. Yeah, so let, if, let's hope if you she's don't enjoying get... the one conversation a day or a hundred, as it she, seems to have blossomed too. If you haven't heard episode 33, you won't get that joke. Uh, but uh, go back and listen to episode 33, and you'll get uh, understand why Chase is being a dork. But, joke? Joke. Uh, oh. So, so Rob, you have been listening to the Gospel Friends from almost the beginning, I think. Uh, we were actually discussing right before we um, brought you on that you may have been the first um, – person that we did not know that we had contact with um so you came you came started listening pretty early in the uh in the episodes right yeah i uh i listened i came across i don't remember how i think it was just on um, i was looking for theology related podcasts on itunes and i listened to one episode and i said how much i liked it and he said well don't stop listening. That wasn't our best attempt. We, we have other pilots coming. So I, I think you had more than one pilot <laughs> or, or something yes, like that. Yes, we did. We're going to go Yes, away. we did, didn't we, Nick? We had uh, about 15 of them, I think. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> yeah, unusual. Okay. We had a pilot, then we had a episode zero, which is basically beta. So everything is software. It's alpha, beta. Nick explains had... this every time, and I stop listening at the same point every time. Yeah. Did yeah. we ever promise Rob, um, who, by the way, used to be Robert, um, you prefer Rob, right? Yeah. Okay. Did we ever promise you cereal or anything like that? Uh, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. You know what? We prom- now, probably now that, did. Now that I'm thinking about it, I remember it was because I did the review on iTunes. I, I think that's what merited cereal. Uh, but yeah. my my mailbox is still empty. Well, it's it's on the way. <laughs> my kids, my kids may have eaten. My kids may have eaten it if they were hungry. Um, we will uh, we'll work on getting you some of that at some point. I'm sure he will. Lose you. <laughs> there was uh, we we owe a lot of people cereal. That was and, convincing. And t-shirts. So. Yeah, we're we're getting more and more in debt. <laughs> in we debt. need to start making some money off this thing somehow, some way. All right. Well, we uh, have uh, Rob on today to talk about. Um, so I saw some discussions going on in the hall last week, and actually. Uh, they continued on this week, but initially, the discussion that piqued my interest was one about um, uh, what constitutes a false teacher, 
and um, heretics or heresy. And so I actually, I think Rob, I asked him a question in that comment stream. Um, And so um, that is uh, the topic we'll go with today. And I just remember that you're actually supposed to do the introduction to this topic. I'm just sitting here staring. I'm going to hand it over to you now, Chase. Thanks. And go ahead and say what you like. I'll tell you what, I'm going to pick a new topic. Just because I'm so angry that you stole my introduction there. It was a segue. Um, no, that, that was a, that, that's fine. We are going to talk about false teachers. In fact, we're going, going to out one of the gospel friends today as a false teacher. It was you. Like, like kind of like unmasking Mr. Wrestling number two. We're going to do that. And it wasn't me. Uh-oh. So that leaves you a choice of two. Now, I, one thing I noticed this week, I know you just talked about the discussion in the Hall of Dogma, David. I noticed... A very interesting exchange that happened between Beth Moore, who is a noted ladies' Bible teacher, and a 22-year-old lady on Twitter. Now, I'm not going to identify the 22-year-old lady, but essentially, the 22-year-old lady on Twitter uh, tweeted about Beth Moore being a false teacher. Uh, Beth Moore happened to see her tweet and engaged her in an extended long email conversation and the 22 year old woman and her uh, uh, her husband posted this and and look reading through it uh, Beth Moore was uh, at least in my mind extremely gracious with her time responding back several long emails to all of the questions raised by this 22 year old girl uh, they went back and forth for a while finally uh, Beth, I guess, did not answer the last email, and uh, and and the 22-year-old person uh, uh, closed the the exchange with this. She said, "Please pray for Beth that the Holy Spirit would convict her for having no answer to give us." And I read that, and I was like, "My goodness, she gave you an awful lot of answers." But essentially, at the end of the conversation. Uh, Beth Moore was still labeled as a false teacher and has been labeled by uh, as a false teacher by many that I've seen this week on social media. So our question uh, to the whole panel, and I, we can start with Rob as our special guest star. What constitutes a false teacher? Well, to me, the terms false teacher and heretic are synonymous. I don't really think there's a difference between the two. And that's really because uh, Scripture really uses those two things interchangeably. And uh, I think it's First Timothy 2 and First Timothy 6 that talks about false teachers teaching heretical doctrines, which no matter which way you spin it would be you'd have a heretic and a false teacher. So I think they're equated one and the same. But to me, it's anybody who teaches something that leads somebody away from what the true gospel would be. Um, an example would be teaching that Jesus wasn't really God. That's that's one pretty big example that that would condemn you as a heretic. I think. Yes. So, and, and I think this is you know all right, when you when we say or, or Rob when you say leading you away from the true gospel. So. Um, so in my mind, there's you know when we when we use that word the gospel, some people immediately think of the gospel of salvation. So Christ coming, dying for our sins, being resurrected, um, our faith in Christ being the the way to God. Other people use the gospel to cover all of 
Scripture and the truth, the message of the Bible, um, the message of the New Testament. So it's certainly Christ and salvation, but then all that comes previous to that and after that. And so when you say leading people away from the gospel, are you primarily thinking something um, in the the doctrine of salvation, or do you mean anything from leading them away from what the New Testament teaches as true? Yeah, it'd, it'd be the former. I think it'd be more along the lines of um, salvation, because I, I think there are several things in Scripture that are debatable. And I think two pe- people are too quick to use the term or the label false teacher and heretic, because in all honesty, everyone has taught something false at mm. some course yes. throughout their entire ministry. Um, yep. But that doesn't make them a false teacher. Uh, what makes you a false teacher is, is consistently teaching something incorrectly. And every time you're instructed that it's wrong, you keep pushing more and more and more. And because of that, people leave the church that they're in and they'll go off and start a cult. That's generally the process of how someone evolves, if you will, from a false teacher to starting a heretical church um, or a, a cultic church. I haven't ever actually thought of that. Me and Nick are both uh, kind of looking at each other with a, like, a, I haven't thought about that before. Uh, well, they, it, it's just a great summation of it. Like, yeah. it's just like, oh, well, that, that puts together every thought I have in a logical order that I completely agree with. Okay, let's yeah. go. <laughs> but, yeah, and, like, and, but see, I tend to think the, the way that you're, what you're laying out, because, number one, I, I think we use those words too quickly for just about anything. I mean, I, I think we call people heretics or we, we, we say they are false teachers based on any, you know, point of doctrine where we disagree where we disagree and so we're just very quick with with those you know we're very quick with those words and and i'm just not sure that's the that's the um teaching of of the new testament and i I remember some my very first seminary class that i ever had very first seminary class i ever had the professor the he, he was a pastor and he was coming to teach classes and and i remember in that class he said Somewhere in my theology, um, somewhere in my doctrine, I'm wrong. And, and he said, now, the problem is I don't know where it is. Um, and, and he said, I know it may sound to you that, that, like that's odd, that, that, that here I am, the, the professor, and I'm saying that somewhere I'm wrong. He said, but think about the opposite of that. What would the opposite of, if I? How arrogant would it be for me to say, I've got it all down. I know everything. I'm not wrong anywhere. Right. Um, that that is that is arrogance and pride and 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 not in line with the fact that we're finite people chasing an infinite God. So, I just tend to to think that there's there's room. I like what you said, Rob. That, that I mean, everybody somewhere has taught something incorrect. I I have there's there's a lot now that as I'm teaching that I think. Well, I taught this differently when I first started being a well, pastor. Well, I mean, just this past week when you were teaching on... Oh, we'll talk about this after the show. I apologize. Nice. That was a little out of order. And, but I think, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't teach it that way now. I like what you said, though, Rob, about when people point it out to them, they don't... That was good. They don't change or they're not listening. They just seem to dig into a position. Um, maybe that's a characteristic of a true um, heretic... Although even then, you could use that against people of any point of doctrine. 
Um, but but if you came to me and said, hey, David, I, I really think you taught this Sunday, and I'm just really not sure that's in line with Scripture, I think we would sit down and and talk through it. Like yeah. I hope my reaction would be, okay, well, well show me. Exactly. Um, maybe a false teacher, maybe that's not their reaction. Yeah, well, um, I, I think that's true. Um, I will say, though, that uh, I have been around a, uh, a group of false teachers, uh, and I'll, I'll name the names, uh, the International Church of Christ, and the way they go about their false teaching, the ICOC or the Boston Church. You, you, you sound like you're familiar with them, Rob. Live right across they will the street. Do Oh, how about that? Yeah. Well, uh, they will do in-home Bible studies with you and actually study the Word with you, but just kind of lead you down a, a not biblically faithful path in, in some areas. Okay, so what, what's your what's your thought uh, on this in terms of um, what constitutes? False teaching. Well, it's a great question. I, I will say, first off, I do think Rob's got it down that false teaching and heresies or heretics, biblically speaking at least, are the same thing. So you look in Second Peter 2, which is really one of the most extended uh, chapters in the Bible on false teachers, and Peter says false prophets uh, arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies. So, you know, you look up false teacher, you look up heresy, a heretic in the word. I don't know that heretic actually appears in the word, but a heretic is somebody uh, simply who brings heresy. So totally agree with that. So looking at the characteristics of a false teacher in Second Peter 2, um, I, I see a few things that stand out. Uh, so Second Peter 2 verse 10, uh, they indulge in the lust of defiling passion. They despise authority. They blaspheme the glorious ones, which angels may be, spiritual beings, even, even devils and demons, uh, God obviously. Um, they, uh, they, let's see, they... They are. They revel in their deceptions. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. They uh, essentially they teach bad things. They lead people astray from the word. They promise freedom, verse nineteen, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. And uh, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those living in error. I think that's, you know, those are all characteristics. And one of the things I think you see in there, you you don't see something to where a false teacher would would teach a a slightly different shade of doctrine uh, like you mentioned earlier. I, I would have no patience for... Uh, a Molinist essentially calling a Calvinist a false teacher because they have differing views on the sovereignty of God or a Calvinist calling a Molinist or even a Arminian well, heaven not, forbid well, let's a false not go teacher too far there. now <laughs> um, I, I'll put it to you this way I would not call John the Wesley out of it. well you're fine you're not an Arminian so. I would not call John Wesley a, a false teacher even though he's a pretty hardcore Arminian yeah, I think I think people have trouble differentiating between primary doctrine and secondary doctrine. And, well said. And the primary doctrine are the things that we talked about earlier, the the divinity and humanity of Christ, things like that. 
But I know I know several people who call people who are old earth creationists heretics when really the Bible doesn't give an age. And, and I think things like that just cause unneeded division where we definitely need to separate over the primary doctrine. But the secondary doctrine, that's where we should agree to disagree, come together and then maybe have a better understanding about where the other person's coming from prior to charging them with heresy with really no reason to do so. See, I like what you said about primary and secondary doctrine. I also like what you said about, um, I'll use the word teachability. Um, you may use a different word than that. But but when someone teaches something inaccurate or incorrect um, and, and a brother goes to them, that's why I like the model um, God's given us here uh, through, the, through the word at the Hall Dogma Church of elder-led. Whereas if David says something squirrely, one Sunday Chase or Samuel or John can come to him or other guys in the congregation say, hey, bro, um, Explain this to me because I'm I'm not jiving with you. And, you know, there, there's that working it out. Now, if he stands his ground and says no, um, that's a different story. But messing it up and going, oh, my bad, I'm, I misinterpreted. I thank you for helping me. That's that's one thing. Um, that's that's what I'm not going to lose too much sleep over because I think God, in God's grace, he works that stuff out. I, to me, I guess I've always seen a difference in heretical versus false teacher, I guess, with the intentionality, again, uh, false teachers wanting to manipulate, wanting to take um, take something and lead people uh, for their own benefit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Self-serving. Hey, that that seemed, has seemed different than, than heretical to me. Um, and I just, I guess I've gotten um, soured on the word heresy because what in American Christianity today, a heretic is anybody who does not believe, does not agree with me. And and so, you know, I see so many people that have been burned by Driscoll and, and hurt by him or whatever. Oh, he's a heretic now. Well, he says some things that may not be your style, but that doesn't mean they're heresy. And so that's, I've gotten soured on that word. Well, I think I guess. we use it, uh, again, I, I think we use it too much. I think we have, um, I think we have people out there who we've talked about this on some previous episodes. I think they've almost made that their ministry, uh, so to speak, is they're out looking for heretical. What how they would, consider how heretical finding divisions in the body and, and exacerbating them to be a ministry per se. Well, because <laughs> because they're making those <laughs> things, but they're I mean, making those things the dividing lines, right. you know. And and even what Rob's saying, I mean, you know, we're. We're agreeing to this, but there are many people who aren't going to agree on what primary and secondary doctrines are. You're right. uh, you know that that there's, um, and so there's, you know, there's people out there who are labeling these secondary doctrines as to be, um, you know, if you hold to something different, you know, heresy. And and again, they're making ministries out of that, going out and looking for. And we we're, we call them on here, you know, heresy hunters and. <laughs> Making heresy hunting their ministry, but um, uh, you know that's to me is not uh, you know we, we throw that word out too quickly and uh, and apply it in situations where it doesn't need to be applied. And that's you know my opinion on it. Uh, well, let, let, let's so let's go a little more specific okay. here because I don't think I, I've I've sent some people uh, you know I've seen some people on social media and stuff that are uncomfortable 
with the word false teacher. At the same time, I think there's a place for it. So, it, you know, I, I guess that's that's my take. There is a place for it. I will ask you guys if you think that too. But just using the Beth Moore example, uh, one of the uh, guys who writes for Mortification of Spin dot org, uh, and I believe it's Todd Pruitt that's that's written an article this week, uh, calls Beth Moore a prophet for an undiscerning church. And one of the major issues he has with her is is that she gets uh, special revelation from time to time. And I'll read you guys this uh, this paragraph, and then we'll see if this maybe def- can be defined as heresy. And then maybe we'll talk about Rob Bell. So th- th- she wrote this, Beloved, I'm convinced one of our severest needs is pure rest. And by the way, this is uh, this is an example that uh, Todd Pruitt on mortification of spin gives for her heresy. One of our severest needs is pure rest, not only sleep, but refreshment. Recently, God spoke to me about capturing what he and I are calling Sabbath moments. Like many of yours, my schedule now is particularly tough, and I see no time in the near future for a number of days off. God spoke to my heart one Saturday morning while I was preparing for Sunday school. My child, in between more intense rests, I want to teach you to take Sabbath moments. And she goes on, I wasn't sure what he meant, etc., etc. The point being, that Beth Moore is claiming, at least in this instance, that God spoke to her. And for Todd and for many others, this is enough to label Miss Moore a false teacher. How do you guys how do you guys deal with that? Rob, you Well, I would hope that the author would at least be consistent insofar as saying that if he takes that view to the end, then God can no longer speak at all through anybody, and that includes uh, discernment in Scripture, so on and so on. So if he's going to take that view, I'd hope that he'd be consistent, but I, I think I think he's uh, wrong. I think he's wrong. I think that to say that God can't speak to somebody uh, insofar as the revelation of Scripture is concerned um, – I think that's pretty unfounded. It's not like she was saying something that's not in Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. if, if if she was saying that uh, she received a, a revelation um, that a particular sin is no longer sinful, then yes, now we're in Harris. That's not the case. She said something about needing rest, and and when we know that the Sabbath and, and rest in Jesus are things that people do very well need, and God can very well tell them. That they need that, so I don't. I guess I don't see the problem here. I think he's making uh, a big deal out of nothing. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think new revelation, additional revelation outside of uh, of scripture, uh, to you know, to me, obviously something that opposes the Bible, um, or perhaps something that is even um, that that is outside the bounds of, of biblical principles. Um, absolutely, I think, and, and we see cult leaders that do that. We see people that that lead their particular cult or you know, group of followers into sin by saying, "Well, you know, God has revealed this to me. This is okay," or, or, or something. Um, so, absolutely agree with that. Great point. I mean, it, it's to say that I think it was the first person, the the the, the lady that had the exchange with Beth Moore. Um, she was saying, "I hope the Holy Spirit convicts her." So that's what the lady said. I hope the Holy Spirit convicts Beth Moore that this path she's going down. Well, that would, much like Rob's talking about, that would require the Holy Spirit to speak speak, and lead, <laughs> which is exactly what you're saying he doesn't do. Um, you know, Jesus said, you know, he told the disciples, I have so much to teach you, 
but you really just can't bear it all right now. You, you, you know, in other words, you, you can't handle all of it now. So I will send a helper. I will send, you know, the spirit and he will lead you into all truth. Um, I, I don't think that means he leads us into, again, what I'm calling new revelations or outside of, outside of the Bible or biblical principles, but it's things that he led them into as they wrote the New Testament that was in line with, uh, Christ and his, and his, spoken word while he's on earth and and i just don't see anywhere in the bible that that it says that that stopped galatians tells us walk by the spirit or live by the spirit um and so i think for her to just you know use those terms to show the spirit leading her in something that is in the word and by the word to call that a heresy or a false teaching um you know to me is, is quite quite crazy um just i mean you know based on my belief of the word and what it says yeah um but it is a great it is a great look there are i have friends who are uh i i'm a continuationist so i still believe in all the gifts of the spirit for today uh but i have friends who are not i have friends who are a cessationist and and so they believe that many of those gifts have stopped i don't think that that particular belief one way or the other um, means you're saved or not saved. So I, I, I don't think that's, as Rob was calling it earlier, primary doctrine. Right. Uh, but one of us is wrong. Okay, so one of us is wrong. So, right. you know, either, you know, I'm wrong, and, and I'm teaching that those gifts are still for today, and I'm teaching something that's incorrect, or they're wrong, and they're saying that those gifts have stopped, and they're teaching something that's incorrect. Right. But so if one, you were to so say... So one of us is is a false... <laughs> Well, that's, that's the one thing. Of us is if you, there, right? as a continuationist, I'm also a continuationist. If you were to say cessationists, like say, for instance, a John MacArthur, who is a very strong cessationist, or a Phil Johnson, a, a very strong cessationist, if you were to say they are false teachers because I believe in the present active ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, as it pertains to the miraculous gifts such as prophecy, tongues, healing, etc. They don't believe that. They're not teaching that. They're going against the Bible. If you were to say they're false teachers because of that, I would agree with your continuationist position, but say you go too far to call them false teachers. And vice versa, if MacArthur would say that about you, or John Piper, or Michael Brown, or something like that, simply because of their continuationist bent theologically, if MacArthur would say, and, and in some cases some of these have said, these people are false teachers because of their view on this issue. I would say, hold the phone. That is not a scriptural definition of a false teacher. Yeah, and and I was being tongue in cheek there when I said, so I, I I'm a false teacher if I'm wrong. Well, I'm yes, we are. There are times where I've taught something incorrect. Um, I just have. That's right. Uh, and 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 so one of us is teaching something that's incorrect. But based on and even even the verses that the, I think we've already looked at, Rob gave earlier. So Second Peter chapter two, where it uses false teachers who will bring in destructive heresies. To me, that doesn't apply in those situations. Although Rob, we see people applying that to, you know, again anyone who disagrees with them on some of those doctrines. This could be. This could be, you know, continuationism and cessationism, or it could be um, rapture, you know, pre-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. So that's a big, that's a big one that's out there. Why um, go there, man? Why go there? So, <laughs> um, and 
I'll bring up another one in a moment. But anyway, Rob, that's what we see. We see that happening. Um, you know, where that's applied to to anyone for just about any area of doctrine. Yeah, and I hope that people would be, again, to use the word consistent, when they call somebody a false teacher, they're calling them everything under Second Peter 2. And I just want people to understand the, the depth of using that word and also the harm that it can cause. And I think that's a good point that you made about uh, MacArthur, who's a cessationist. Um, I, would, I wouldn't call him a false teacher. I would just say that he's wrong on that particular topic because using the word false teacher means that he is everything biblically under Second Peter 2, I believe was the reference Chase used. And Second Peter 2 is a very, very serious passage. Uh, I believe it even says that it would be better for false teachers had they not been born. Yeah, the language isn't too kind. No, not a bit. And so, essentially, when you're calling that's, – that's an excellent point, Rob. When you're calling somebody like a, a Beth Moore a false teacher, you are, if you're agreeing with a biblical definition of false teacher, you are saying it would be better for uh, the body of Christ in general and Beth Moore in specific had she never existed. That's a great point. And, and oh, that's, that's hard. That's and and I, I think we're all in agreement here um, that – there are far too many people flippantly using the term false teacher when they could be engaging on the issues better and avoiding that term. Uh, I'll throw this out, and then I'm going to ask you guys about Rob Bell. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was a cessationist in a lot of ways. He's an interesting cessationist because I believe he gave what most people would call prophecies. He had special revelation, which is the only way I can describe what happened in his ministry, but yet he was a cessationist. At times, he talked about people having dreams uh, as silliness to be avoided. At other times, he he seemed to take them quite seriously. So Spurgeon, an interesting guy. For for instance, at one point, he was preaching at one day, and, and this is even from this is from the Spurgeon's bio. It says many times the preacher has been guided to say things that seemed almost uncanny in their applicability. He once said that there was a man in the gallery listening to him with a gin bottle in his pocket. Well, there was, and that man got converted. Another time, he spoke to a young man in the gallery and said, "Young man, the gloves you have in your pocket." are not paid for. After the service, that fellow came and uh, repented and was was converted. Those things aren't in the Bible. You don't get that kind of revelation from the Bible. Charles Spurgeon was not a psychic. He was not a detective. He was not a mentalist. So that has to be some form of special revelation. And, 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 And I think many cessationists would say, well, that sort of thing just doesn't happen today. Well... Not to have that debate. That debate is for another show. Uh, Here's along the lines of uh, false teachers before I get too far down the rabbit trail. Gentlemen, is it proper for us to consider somebody like Rob Bell uh, a false teacher? I'm I'm scared to death he is. Um, But it, it goes back to what you guys are saying about those verses is that I've heard things he said that I go, yeah, man. Okay. That's that's a great way of putting that thing. But there's also the, the books like Love Wins where he just – he draws out conclusions that are just, to me, in complete opposition to Scripture. And so for, for me, you know, if you come – if somebody comes to me and says, man, this guy, you need to read this book by this dude, Rob Bell, I'm going to go, maybe – 
So which book was it you read? Okay, maybe we find this book by Chandler, this book by Piper, this book by Darren Patrick. Um, But I just, I I hesitate to be the guy that says, you know, kick him out of the church, da-da-da-da-da. But so much of what he speaks is just, it just seems tied in with the truth, but but not leaning on the truth. It's like he's got a point he wants to make, and he's using enough of the Bible to, to pique the interest of the church, and then he makes his own point. And so I'm scared to death he is. Um, so that's me. It seems to me that Rob Bell teaches universalism uh, at – I don't think he's unrepentant on that, or uh, I think it's pretty clear. And actually, I listened to him. He was on Unbelievable a while back. And when he was questioned on his views on universalism, he kept retreating to this position of, well, I'm just trying to start a discussion. And you can't really start a discussion on something if in your book you're saying that eventually everybody is going to go to heaven. So it seems to me to follow that if you think everybody's going to heaven, then the cross really wasn't necessary. And then follows that Jesus wasn't necessary. That's heresy. So, so it seems that he would be a false teacher if he's saying, well, we really didn't need the cross. I mean, I'm going to say that we did, but we really didn't because everyone's going to get to heaven anyway. Okay, and great point. So, and this is what I, I think I've, you know, Christianity, if, if you can't handle nuance and depth, you're not going to have a lot of trouble uh, with, uh, with, with this religion. So uh, think about hell. It, it, the question probably someone would ask was, okay, if you don't believe in hell, would that make you a false teacher? Now, I, I'm just going to go on the assumption right now that Rob Bell doesn't believe in hell. I'm like Rob uh, Johnson in saying that I don't know why you're writing a book about it. I understand you. The two Rob's confused. No, I didn't. I didn't. I just want to make sure people were clear on what I, which one I was talking about. But I mean, and I said this on a previous show. Don't you know if you're if you're a well um, followed pastor and you read what Scripture says about teachers and and how teachers are going to be judged. If you've got questions, you know, don't write a book to 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 start the discussion. Have a discussion with some mature believers in your own life and works through some of those issues. Don't tell me that you just wrote a book because you wanted to get some discussion started. I I just think I'm having to assume that he's reached his conclusions. Some people would probably take me to task on that, but I'm going to assume he's reached his conclusions based on the way he handles the questions. Um, If not, he needs to come out and be much clearer. So if someone doesn't believe in hell, are they a false teacher? Well, I think Rob... Johnson was going down this road. What brings you to that point to not believe in hell? Is it because it's not necessary? Because eventually everyone goes to heaven, and, and therefore Christ's sacrifice was not enough. And, and, and you know, to me, I would consider that end a primary doctrine. So you have everyone with one of two destinations, heaven or hell, based on their faith in Christ, and there is no um, third option, and if you deny that, then you're denying a, a primary portion of scripture and, and doctrine, and so to me that makes you a false teacher. Now, the nuance part would be there are people who believe in annihilationism versus um, eternal punishment. So is God going to destroy a person in hell after a certain amount of time, or is God going to leave them there for eternal torment? I'm not of the mindset right now that that particular portion of the question would make you a 
false teacher or not. Somebody might say it, it would, but I, I think you know you can have that discussion and maybe have one of those two beliefs and not necessarily be into that Second Peter um, um, portion of that, being. That a, was being a heavily a discussed issue uh, a few years ago with the uh, Evangelical Theological Society because Clark Pinnock, who was a very prominent member, went from eternal conscious punishment to. Um, annihilationism and many said well that's false teaching that's a heresy uh, he ultimately left um, but uh, interesting well, and, and again some people might disagree with me I, I'm saying that's where I am right now but I definitely someone who is denying the necessity of hell or the existence of it because everyone is going to eventually go to heaven um, man that that's I think that's a denying of primary doctrine yeah um, so now, you know, take, um, let, let me say this, this is, this is a big, this is where I think this is a big deal. Um, unity in the body of Christ. So, um, I think Jesus was greatly concerned about unity and his, his church. Yes. The night before he died, this is on Christ's heart. He's praying about unity among his people and let them be one as, as, as Father, you and I are one. So he's greatly concerned about that, and, and he's praying for that. And all throughout the New Testament, there's all types of instructions to us about forgiving each other and bearing with one another and going to each other in grace and truth and loving each other and sacrificing and serving and being kind and gentle and compassionate to one another. And, and so there's all these things, uh, just over and over instructions toward things that would foster unity and the, the church being one. And calling each other false teachers in the in a in meaning it like Second Peter chapter one over every disagreement of doctrine completely makes unity impossible. Other than within people who are in your particular mindset, exactly or exactly in your theology, your mindset of 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 Christianity, your denomination, or, or whatever it may be. So you can only have unity with people who see things exactly like you see them, assuming then, of course, that you've got everything exactly right. That type of mindset absolutely destroys unity, which is something that Christ was so concerned about. And I, I won't bring the group up, but a few episodes back, we were discussing that thing that's happening on social media right now, um, and we were questioning the tone of some some of those groups that were... Um, going after what they considered to be false books, false teaching, false doctrines, things that were accurate, which we even said, yes, we have concerns about some of those books as well. But you're you're approaching this with a tone and a and a cadence of you people are not Christians or you're not brothers in Christ or you're false teachers, and 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 I just don't think the the New Testament gives a pathway for that. Criticism doesn't change hearts. So if your goal is just to label somebody a false teacher, you know, then then it's better than they had that they hadn't been born and I guess, you know, they're going to hell and all of that kind of good stuff. But uh, I think uh, criticism is not going to be the ch- the thing that brings about change in what books Lifeway carries. For instance, you know, Lifeway is a Christian bookstore. I, I believe Tom Rainer, Ed Stetzer are believers. I do believe there are some suspect books, uh, less now than there was. Praise God for that. But there are some suspect books sold by Lifeway. But criticism, and uh, and especially steady, ongoing, relentless criticism, 
doesn't change hearts. It just causes people to mute you out. <laughs> think about how many people you listen to that do nothing but criticize you, and then think about if you're going to do nothing but criticize somebody else, whether or not they will actually hear the heart of what you're saying. Well, that was that was my problem with the Beth Moore uh, article that that person wrote. Was that uh, kind of brings up two issues? One. I didn't really look at the consistency of their position when they were writing all that out and any scripture either. And second, the internet has kind of worked against us insofar as we can't really, or we don't really think before we hit enter, before we hit send, whatever just pops into our head. We don't really take the time to revise it because it's so instantaneous. And I think that's the main problem with that Beth Moore thing. If she would have sat and read that over a few times, I think she would have saw the inconsistency where saying, well, I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you and change your heart, yet God can't speak to you. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, uh, sure. yeah, that doesn't compute. So that's, that is, that's one that of the well down spoken. parts of the internet. So I, I don't know. I, the whole, and, and I don't, uh, that's to me, I, I think that's to me is the, you know, I, I've had, so, and I don't want to get into naming people and, and, but you know, we, we've this discussion has been ongoing in the hall this week. One of the big discussions I saw kind of come up with was, was um, our, our good friend Joel Osteen. Um, Joel Osteen gets labeled quite on quite often with that false teaching uh, heretic mark, and 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 it may be. Look, it, 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 there again, do I think? Brother Joel teaches incorrect things. Um, I love Harry dancing around. This <laughs> no, so I, I, I do. I do think he does. I think his the way that I view it is his doctrine and what he teaches um, is is not. Would you um, call it incomplete? It's well, it's definitely incomplete. I think it's incomplete. I think it's uh, it's it's off off center of of New Testament teaching and, um, but. I, I, I've said on this show before, I am hesitant to label him that false teacher. I, I think he's a brother in Christ. I think he loves Jesus. I think he believes in Christ for salvation. The one time that I saw him hem-haul, he, he did. He hem-hauled on national television about whether or not Jesus was the only way. He didn't deny it. He just didn't affirm it. Um, obviously a huge error. A couple of days later, he came back out in a letter, um, and, and he, he said, you know, basically kind of, I don't know that he repented. He said, you know, absolutely, I believe Jesus is the only way. And, and, and absolutely, there, if anyone is questioning whether or not I believe that, uh, please don't question that. I believe he is the only way. And then I think he explained or tried to explain why he, you know, wasn't so strong on that on, on Larry King, which is what I, I was, you know, I think he was on. So in my mindset, when you have a guy like that, and you could use Joel, but I think you could use others, but... I look at him and I think, man, yeah, misguided. Would I recommend someone go to his church? No. You know, would I go and take my family and send his teaching? No. Um, is he qualified to be an elder or pastor? I don't know. But is he that second Peter false teacher? Doomed to hell. Doomed to hell. No, I just, that's not how I view him. I, I don't think. And, and so I think people who call him that either don't have the biblical definition of a false teacher or they're just misapplying it, and and well, th that's that's my view, and and you could use that on on Joel or several other people probably. It takes a certain amount of spiritual authority to call somebody a false teacher. Uh, I will say I've been in ministry for twenty years. I'm in my forties. Uh, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church. I I 
I'm a little scared to label somebody a false teacher, especially somebody that I'm not for sure about. I don't mind, you know, really saying, hey, you avoid that. That that is they're teaching garbage. I don't mind it when it's obvious. But look, when you're talking about somebody just like, again, I, I've never gone through a Beth Moore Bible study. I don't own a Beth Moore book. Um, I, I don't know much about her, but what little I've heard, I've heard her point to Jesus. I've heard her solidly exegete some biblical passages. Listen, you're going to call her a false teacher or uh, or um I don't know, some of the other people we've talked about, you better know that you know that you're right because that is something that is that is a heady thing to say that demands some level of authority. And quite frankly, and I guess I'm gonna sound like an old man here, but it's hard for a twenty two year old man or woman, college student or whatever, to definitively be able to say that about somebody. Especially somebody who is Obviously, pointing to Jesus. Um, you you better be sure. Well, guys, I think we're we're running out of time. How about everybody uh, throws out uh, six top seconds ten or so. top ten false teachers on your <laughs> list? You Rob, let's start with you, <laughs> and then let's go around. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just joking. What sixty seconds closing statements. Nick, I wasn't ready to be the first oh, one with the okay. closing statement. Who's Sorry. ready to give their closing statement? I'll go ahead. All right, go ahead, Rob. Um, something you said interesting about Osteen, and I actually listen to Osteen's podcast every week uh, because, uh, and it's not because I love him so much or I think his theology is excellent. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I kind of ran into the spot where somebody told me that Osteen was heretical, and I just picked up on that without examining his ministry. So I think that's what a lot of people do. They hear that a person is heretical, and rather than going and checking it out for themselves, they just kind of buy into it. So I, yeah. So I listen to Osteen weekly, and and I have heard him preach on sin. I had I have heard him talk about what the gospel actually is, but it's very light and fluffy. It's not uh, sound, solid teaching that I would recommend somebody go to their church, like you said, David. Yeah. But with this whole issue of heresy, I think a lot of people need to be a bit more educated on what terms mean, mm-hmm. and. If they can't do that, they really have no business discussing the issue of false teacher or heresy or heretic if they're going to mislabel people. Good deal. Good deal. He he inspired me. Thank you, Rob. No, um, what you said actually reminded me of, of a story that'll that'll sum up kind of my thoughts on some of it. But you know, we have a larger church nearby that um, they get pushed back on being fluffy and and whatnot. And um, which church is that? A church nearby. Um, <laughs> I'll explain. With you. Go ahead. There's pink. It has pink carpet. Um, no, that's us. Has wood panel walls. <laughs> um, but no, they they get um, pushback for being uh, fluffy um, from the surface. But you know, once you get in the door, um, they are they're not seeker sensitive in terms of they'll say whatever to get you in the door. Um, but their discipleship happens in small groups because of their size. It's hard to happen on a Sunday morning. And so they have a, a vibrant small group ministry that they, that they try to rely on. Are there people that can fall through the cracks? Sure. Um, but they seem to, to know what they are and where they lack and they try to make up for it. Um, and so I think, I think we need to be careful. I like what he was saying about let's let's find out what these guys teach and then and then go 
um, from there. It was encouraging to me because that the same church that's so fluffy and tolerates everything, um, there was a point of about marriages and um, expectations and things like that that they took a harder line on than I expected that I think some churches I've been a part of would yeah. take. And, and that was just encouraging. And so um, I, I do encourage, and, and some people are like, well, I'm not even going to entertain any of what they have to say because I just know. Well, you assume. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've read some, some things on Twitter. You've, you've gotten sound bites out of context. And so I like the, the educate yourself thing. I do. I like what Rob said as well about the the terms. Know the terms. We need to line up what when we use those terms, heretics or heresy and, and false teaching. We need the best we can line it up with um, what the word says, and not not what our definition of that is. Um, I, I would just say that the Bible is very clear that we need to take. Uh, we need to have good doctrine. I think people who write off doctrine and, and who think that's not important or just for you know theology nerds or something's mistaken. The Bible points us having right doctrine and uh, knowing the truth, loving the truth, and the Bible pushes us there. And the Bible talks about standing up for the truth and 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 you know. Um, Standing up for right doctrine. I, that's one of the things that I like about, like, you know, Rob and, and people that have ministries like, like he does is this, um, not just defense of the faith and, uh, and apologetics, but also just, you know, kind of helping us think through issues from that standpoint of, of all of us needing to have good doctrine, but standing up for what, you know, what's in the Bible. Um, but the Bible also, at the same time, or I should say and, not but, at the same time, the Bible lines up our character and, and what should our character in um, communication and um, confrontation be. And the Bible's telling us uh, these things and gentleness and kindness and compassion and, and um, you know, love our enemies or, or those who oppose us. And, and, and um, it, you know, the Bible just, just lays those things out. So def- in defense of the truth, don't be a jerk. Um, I know, you know, in defense of the truth, don't go outside the realm of the New Testament teaching on how we are to interact with people. Because it's not just defending the truth, and it's not just pointing out heresies when they're really there, but it is the way you do it. It is the way you point it out, and the Bible dictates dictates that as well. You can transgress Jesus's commands by being a jerk or teaching falsehood. And and the way I read what the Bible says, the New Testament, uh, Jesus, Paul, etc., neither one of those are really worse than in the other. Being a jerk, arrogant, haughty, etc., or or turning away from truth. All right, all right, so here's my closing statement. Uh, the the tagline of our show says something about we fight heretics and prosperity teachers, etc. <laughs> Some of that is a little tongue in cheek. Some of that is true. That is that is really one of the things we want to do. But here lately, we have seen people take that on way too zealously and and, and hard and, and with a with an edge of pride that is dangerous. Uh, I'll read this to you. Um, so this is a ex-preacher man talking about a pastor's conference. He says, this year's pastor conference, pastor's conference appears to be a further indoctrination exercise as the slate of speakers is replete with pastors who have made careers of preaching this false gospel, writing books that promulgate their heresies and otherwise evangelizing the world with their false gospel that cannot save lost people and destroys the assurances of believers. 
Do you want to know the false teachers and false gospel promulgators? J.D. Greer, Francis Chan, David Platt. Oh, wow. Noted heretics. Wow. <laughs> Falsely leading people astray. Come on, man. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you thinking writing that crap? I mean, please. Did you say who wrote that? I, yeah, I did. Okay, I missed it. Uh, you can tell me again I later. didn't say the name. I oh, okay. said the name of the website. Okay. Hey, um, which one of the gospel friends was the false teacher? You said that at the beginning. You were. Me? Yes. So now we're going to unmask you and shave your head, <laughs> and you will have to permanently retire from the podcast. Awesome. So it was a joke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was a joke, right? Is Rob replacing me? Uh. Somebody is, but you'll have to find out next week. You just labeled me a false teacher to millions of people. You know what? It's like I wasn't even listening to the show. Let's re-record, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Rob, we appreciate greatly you coming on, man, and, uh, and joining us. You did a us. great job, Rob. Yeah. And you have some job, nice, uh, nice sound nice. equipment that we're jealous of. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a very important topic. It is indeed. All right. Well, be sure to check out uh, Rob. What's your uh, your uh, Twitter handle? You spend some time on Twitter, right? I do. It's uh, at Rob Johnson ninety. All right. And your uh, give your website one more time. And the website is apologetics one hundred five dot com. And that's the number one zero five. One zero five. Yep. Second. Yep. We'll get Second Corinthians ten five is where that comes from. Awesome. And those will be in the show notes. Nick says, and there's a the Second Corinthians. Yeah, dude, you should read it. It's awesome. It's also a third. It oh, didn't make God. it in. Oh, oh, oh boy, <laughs> that is that's factual. Yeah, that was uh, the sequel was uh, was really good. So okay. you should check it out. Cool, uh, it's good. Check check oh, Rob's the after uh, show. Let's leave that. <laughs> check Rob's website out though. He's got a lot of great articles out there, and uh, I, I have added his uh, blog into my feedly and um, be able to read his stuff when it comes out. So uh, be sure to do that and. Uh, uh, Yes, sir. That, you said, saying that made me want. What's one of your favorite sites to read that that you get your stuff off of, Rob? Uh, reasonablefaith.org. That's William Lane Craig's okay. website. Yeah, cool. That's probably yeah. my my first uh, first pick. That's for, a good one. Yeah, a lot, good of, podcast, a lot of stuff dude. on there. Yeah, yeah. And, and Rob released a, a, a like a little article this week too, l- labeling uh, his top five favorite podcasts and uh, why he liked them. And um, and I'm not just saying that because we were one of those five, but. Uh, uh, I actually, one start, of the reasons. You're there's saying. one of the reasons, but uh, I actually started listening to the unbelievable uh, podcast um, that you mentioned on there, and one of the guys in the hall, Bobby uh, Gilpin, Gilpin, um, was actually on Unbelievable a couple of years ago, yeah. and I, I would start listening to that episode. Um, so, episode. yeah, very cool connections there. So, Rob, thanks for joining us. It won't be the last time, uh, Lord willing, that we have you on. And uh, so, grace and peace to you. You guys as well. Take care. All right, great segment with Rob. Appreciate him joining us today. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for episode Dave Matthews, number 34. Such a hippie. Such a hippie. I wish Creed had written a song called 34. I would have rather plugged them. I wish you'd stop talking about Creed. You like Nickelback, too? I do. Probably does. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know what you I have guys a sound have clip. What guys I do you have it. against good music? Well, it's been another great episode of the Gospel uh, Friends. Um, thank you to Rob for to edit. joining us. He did a great job. He did a great job. Yes, next Thanks, next week will be, guys, episode 35. Yeah. I just didn't know if y'all knew that. Did. Yeah, it's, 30. It's, it's the next one, and it's going to be epic. Well, good. Da, da, you know why? Because we're all going to be here. It's going to be great. Wow. Amen.
And by the time we get there, the Patriots will have solidified their place in the Super Bowl. I may pull for the Patriots this year. Look, it's I, I it's twenty four to seven with about two minutes left in the third. Yeah. I think it's I think it's cool that everybody had left. I'm not a big Tom Brady fan, but everybody had left him for the dead. And I'm he, sorry, thirty one to seven. With, he has uh, resurrected to to himself this year and playing good ball. So and you dropped him. I in did fantasy football. I did drop him in fantasy football after four weeks of stinking it up. But you know what? My team was so strong, I still won the league Why, even Chase? after having dropped him. So I on that note, the friends league. Uh, on that note, with oh, we all got beat by fun. I'm sleeping with the winner. Anyway, and have a good week. Sounds like a sin, but it isn't. It's Thanks not because I'm married to her. <laughs> okay, we have an alternate title. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.